0: good to be, it's great to live in Ohio, I love Ohio. Uh, This Saturday at 8 o'clock, we're having a uh, business people's breakfast. Uh, It will be a great time for you to uh, network, uh, meet other business people. And uh, the ladies who make the breakfast hit home runs every single time. Um, so, if that interests you, uh, sign up on the website so that we have enough breakfasts for everybody. I want to remind you that we're studying through uh, C.S. Lewis's book um, *Mere Christianity*. It is a uh, it's a classic in. Um, in um, Christian religion. We have some copies out there. If you'd like to get a copy, uh, I think it's worth the time it takes to read it. Our dear Heavenly Father, we wander around in a broken world. Intuitively we know things should be better. We... Hear an internal voice that asks us to improve. But as we live, we find that often the world is more broken than our ability to fix. And so we look beyond ourselves and we look to your great answer, Jesus Christ. Pray that we can see Christ in a new way this morning. And as we see him in a new way, uh, he would do his best work in us. And uh, we would become more and more like who you created us to be. And I ask this in Christ's name, amen. I read an article recently that uh, um, archaeologists are um, restudying um, an artifact and um, it's called a false door. It came out of a tomb in uh, Egypt and they put these false doors in uh, for two reasons. Uh, One was to throw off grave robbers. Um, and the second one was more mystical. They believed that the soul that was buried in that tomb could go through this false door and um, um, wander about. Uh, so uh, they have found quite a few of these false doors, This one is particularly interesting because the people who are studying it say it's been um, retouched. They believe that it was originally made um, for a man, but um, uh, it was repurposed and recut, and it was made for a woman named uh, Himi Ra. And uh, uh, they've studied the stone real uh, carefully, and uh, they can actually uh, uh, identify the places that it's been recut so it works for her instead of the original owner. Which, if you've read anything about Egypt, you know is not uncommon. The Egyptians were ultimate... um, 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 cancel culture. Uh, it wasn't uncommon for people who came after you to chisel your name off of stuff and put their name on it. And uh, that's what the scholars believe has happened with this stone. Um, in some ways, the same thing has happened to Christianity. This stone was carved about 2,000 years before Christ, about the time of Abraham. In the 2,000 years since Christ, people have tried to chisel out of the life of Christ what they don't like and chisel in what they do like. Uh, In fact, you can find people today who call themselves Christians... And might even teach at religious institutions and they don't believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They've chiseled out the core teaching of Christianity that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh and they've replaced it with some kind of myth that Jesus Christ was just a pretty good guy who had some pretty good ideas. C.S. Lewis tells us in the second section of his book that that doesn't work. That you can't have, you can't have Jesus Christ claiming to be God if he wasn't God and then calling him a good man. If you claim to be God and you aren't, you you are a fraud and a sham. You can't be called a good person. If you claim that you can forgive sins and you can't, you're a shyster. You don't deserve any respect at all. And so Lewis makes a very good point. He says, there's no middle ground in Christian belief. In Christian belief, there's no, there's, there's no wiggle room. Either we believe that Jesus Christ is who the Gospels say he is, or we're forced to believe that Jesus Christ was a, a charlatan, a, a, a trickster, a, a, a man who pulls scams on people. And for me, it's easier to believe that he is the Son of God than that he was some kind of um, uh, uh, first-century pen and teller, uh, magicians who pulled tricks. Then Lewis goes on to say, this is important because... The world that was broken, Christ is God's answer to fix. He is God incarnate because God came into the world to fix what we broke. Paul said the same thing in um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Christ has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The broken world is complicated, and we have to expect a complicated answer. Lewis said, The Christian view is that this is a good world that has gone wrong, but still retains the memory of what ought to have been. Okay, I wanna say again, Christianity is a thinking religion. And because the problem is complicated, the answer has to be complicated. There, there isn't a simple answer for the broken world. But there is an answer. Um, we begin to sense this intuitively. Everybody in this room has a sense that you can improve in some way. I I, I really don't think there's anybody here who's got the idea that I'm perfect. I I don't, there's nothing in my life I have to improve. Every one of us have this intuitive sense that I should be better at, at things that we can identify. We, we have this intuitive sense that the world should be better. This is the election time, and everybody's going to tell you, I will fix everything, my opponent will make everything worse. Why do they make arguments like that? Because we have an intuitive sense that things should be better, that the world is somehow or another in need of reform. That's Lewis, Lewis says, that is this intuitive memory that things are broken and should be better. This is intuitive memory that things uh, were meant to be better. And that's God's starting place. God's starting place to fix a broken world is this inner sense that I'm not as good as I should be. That something needs fixed in me, something needs fixed in the world around me. The broken world is not just complicated; it's broken in an odd way. It it, it seems to me like uh, there's no end to oddball brokenness. Whenever you whenever you watch the news, you you. There's always some oddball doing some unbelievable thing. In fact, um, uh, there's a radio show that has a spot every week on The Man from Florida. And all they do is read articles about people from Florida who do the stupidest stuff. Um, And that's just one state. Um, when you think you can't be surprised by life anymore, you, you watch the news and you get shocked all over again. All right. See, the world is broken in odd ways. It's broken in ways that we, we struggle to... Uh, understand, and we struggle even more to uh, predict how do you fix that. Lewis says, Christianity offers a solution that no one else would have come up with, that no one could have no one else could have come up with. If you compare Christianity to all other religions, Here's what you're going to find that is uniquely different. Only Christianity offers redemption freely. Only in Christianity does God give you healing for the broken world. In every other religion, you got to do something to earn it. In every other religion, you have to um, you have to uh, reach a level of uh, uh, Quality that makes you acceptable. Only Christianity says that the world is broken in the kind of way that is so odd it doesn't have a chance of fixing itself. We need help from the outside. We've got to have somebody better than us to fix us. We can't fix ourselves. And this is unparalleled. So what is it What is this brokenness we're talking about? Well, in Christianity, we use the word wickedness, or we use the word evil. And often we use these words without really defining them. We say that was wicked, and we have this general idea of what we mean. Um, But Lewis says we have to be much more specific. He said, I mean by wickedness, when you examine it, it turns out to, the, be, to be the pursuit of some good in a wrong way. Um, Lewis says wickedness is not something in and of itself. It is the pursuit of something good in the wrong way. Okay, for example, greed. What is greed? Is it all right to make uh, is it all right to work hard and make money? Yes. Money's one of the most convenient things I've ever found. It's so useful. All right. Is it, is it a good thing to work hard and make money? Yes, it is. All right, but when I go beyond what I should go be, uh, do and I become greedy, it is the pursuit of a good thing in a wrong way. Right? Um, is it a good thing to love your spouse? Yes. But when I go beyond that, and I become lustful, uh, that's what wickedness is. Uh, Lewis says wickedness is pursuing a good thing in the wrong way. So how is the world broken? Here's how the world is broken. We all are pursuing things that uh, in and of themselves are good. God created a good world. The problem is, we pursue them in the wrong way. Everybody wants to have a beautiful uh, home, but we pursue having a good home in the wrong way. uh, We become selfish, and instead of pursuing what is really good for our families, we become selfish and we pursue uh, the good thing in the wrong way. So the world is broken, because we consistently find ourselves pursuing good things in a wrong way. God created the world good, and we broke it. We broke it by pursuing good things in the wrong way. Um, it was always God's intention for us to be like him. We were created in his image, right? Right? If you read Genesis, we were created in his image. It was always his intention for us to be like him. But the unholy one said, I'll give you a shortcut for being like God. You just eat this fruit and you'll be like God. The original sin is man pursuing a good thing in a wrong way. When I pursue a good thing in the wrong way, I break myself. I become wicked. And the problem is, my soul wasn't designed to live that way. Um, When I pursue a good thing in the wrong way, I create misery, conflict, and ruin in myself. And the very joy that I want to have in life, and I sense that I should have, I ruin by wickedness. This is what Lewis said. God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel of our spirits. We were designed to burn God. Or um, he is the food of our spirits. We were designed to feed on God. There is no other source. When I act wickedly, I'm trying to satisfy my soul with something my soul was never designed to consume. Do you see? I believe uh, you've heard me say, you can eat roadkill, but it's going to make you sick. I, you can put barbecue it, put Old Bay on it. I mean, you can, you, can, you can do anything you want to it, but you were not designed to eat roadkill, and it will make you sick. The same thing is true of our souls. My soul wasn't designed for sin. My soul wasn't designed for, for wickedness. And uh, I, can, I can do the wrong thing, and I can act wickedly, But it ruins my soul. And I experience the result in the soul sickness of misery, of of conflict, of of disappointment, and, and, and all the other miseries of the world. We can only have a healthy life as someone fixes this broken soul we have. And that's where the message of Jesus Christ comes in. Christianity says to the world, we all know the place is broken. Christianity says to the individual soul, you know things are not the way they should be. And then Christianity says, we're not like every other religion. This is not a self-help religion. We are very different. We say we are broken beyond what we can fix ourselves. We have to have help, and God has given us that help himself. God himself came into a world where man was pursuing good things in a wrong way, and he fixed us. Paul goes on to say in Colossians, Who is it that came into the world? Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. What is God's answer to a broken world? Jesus Christ. Who exactly is Jesus Christ? It matters. I can't create my own Christ. I can't read the Gospels and say, ooh, I like this about Jesus. I'm putting it in. I don't like this about Jesus. I'm taking it out. Some of you who have read biographies of Thomas Jefferson, you know that he took the New Testament, he took the Gospels, and he cut out everything he didn't like about Jesus, and he pasted the rest of it into a a book, and that's what he called his Gospel. His Gospel was deleting everything he didn't like in the Gospels about Jesus, taking the rest of it, pasting it into a book, And that's what he called uh, uh, the Jefferson Gospels. Um, Many people don't actually do it on paper, but many people do it in their life. I like this about Jesus. Uh, Ricky Bobby, I like the baby Jesus best. Um, uh, uh, We take what we like about Christ, and somehow or another, we... uh, We suppress the rest. And it doesn't work, church. You don't have God incarnate. You have an idol that you've created. You don't have God incarnate. You have a myth that you manufactured. Listen to what Lewis says. We can't be neutral about Christ. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. Church, there's no in between. We have God in the flesh or we have an imposter. I believe what Paul said about Christ is absolutely right. So let's look at it and make sure it's how we are defining Christ for ourselves today. The very first thing he said is Christ is the icon of the invisible God. Um, Christ is the visible representation of the invisible God. God, in his essence, is a spirit, and no one has ever seen him or will see him. Um, Sight is an issue of matter and light. The spirit world is not made of matter and light. The essence of God is not visible. But God became a person and people saw him. When Jesus stood by the hillside in Galilee and 5,000 people gathered there and he fed them, those 5,000 people saw the Lord God Almighty in a human life. Do you get that? When Peter ate fish with Jesus by the seashore, he saw the Lord God Almighty in human flesh. Philip once said to Jesus, just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, what's wrong with you? How long have I been with you that you say show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Christianity believes that when people saw Jesus Christ walking on the earth, we saw the living God, the Lord God Almighty, in a human form. He is capable of being the answer to the broken world because he is the infinite God in a human form. The second thing that Paul Paul says is, he's the firstborn of all creation. With your permission, I'd like to say, we need to think instead of firstborn because we don't think in, in primogenitor the way the ancient world does. W- would you be good with the word prototype? He is the prototype of all creation. Do you want to know what things are supposed to look like? Christ is the prototype. Do you want to know what humanity was supposed to be? Christ is the prototype. Do you want to know what thinking right looks like? Christ is the prototype. You want to to know how to treat people? Christ is the prototype. Christianity teaches us that God didn't leave us guessing about the broken world. He said if you have any questions, compare everything to Christ. He is the living example of what things are supposed to be. Christ models what life is supposed to look like. The third thing he said In him, everything was created, in heaven and upon the earth, visible and invisible. This answers the question where did all of this come from? All right. Um. We are, we're allowed to ask hard questions and we're allowed to discuss them. Listen, um, I'm not talking about how it happened. I'm talking about what caused it to happen. The first cause of everything is Christ. Do you hear what John says in the gospel? Um, All things were made by him And without him was not anything made that was made. Christianity believes that the first cause of the universe is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the cosmic designer. The universe is what it is because of Christ's creative genius. Did he he create matter? Did he create space? Did he create uh, physical laws? Yes. Yes. And those things have all molded how we see things today. But Christianity, Christianity cannot give an inch that the first cause of everything is Jesus Christ. We will not give the creator's world away to somebody else. Christ didn't just create the, the visible universe. He created the realm of the invisible world we believe that there are two realms this physical material realm and then there is a spiritual realm we don't know much about the spiritual realm Uh, the bible talks about it but it rarely explains it but we do know that whatever that spiritual realm is christ is the designer of that also everywhere you look you see the design of Jesus Christ. That is a core belief for Christianity. Okay, why is he so competent to be able to fix a broken world? Because he's the one who designed it. Who do you want to fix what's broken? The person who designed it or the person who doesn't have any idea where it came from? I'd rather have the designer working on the fix than have... Billy Baru come show up with uh, whatever oddball he has idea about how to fix the world. The fourth thing it says: all through him um, and unto him, everything is not only through Christ, but it's for Christ. You see, this is the idea. That the creator created everything with a purpose. Um, I I read one of um, Stephen Jay Gould's books. And in this book, he talks about a wasp. And this wasp has um, uh, a unique um, life cycle. This wasp... Uh, lays its eggs inside caterpillars, and when the uh, egg hatches, the wasp larvae um, uh, survives by eating the caterpillar from the inside out. And uh, Stephen Jay Gould made an argument: um, if God is good, how could he how could he create such an ugly thing? And um, and uh, and say it's good um it strikes me odd is a is a caterpillar is a wasp larva eating a a caterpillar any worse than a lion eating a gazelle i mean really uh how how do we compare that one is one is unnatural and not good, and the other is natural and good. So my first answer is, uh, uh, it's a pretty random way to decide. This proves God isn't good because a wasp larva eats a a caterpillar, all right. The second thing I wanna say is, uh, after all the science that we've come up with, we still don't understand the unique balance of the ecosystem. We don't don't understand the unique balance of the ecosystem. We've learned some things the pretty hard way. We said wolves shouldn't be around. We got rid of all the wolves out of Yellowstone, and that was a disaster. And it was such a disaster, they had to go to Canada to get wolves and reintroduce them to the park. Because they serve an important purpose in the park. Um, All right in all of our understanding, we still don't understand the delicate balance of the ecosystem. And because we don't understand, we end up making statements like, this is meaningless, this, this, is, this, is, uh, uh, this shouldn't be like this. Here's, here's what I want to say. The designer has a purpose for everything in the system. Church, if I don't understand that, it doesn't mean that it's not true. It just simply means the designer gets it a whole lot better than I get it. I've seen uh, buildings where I looked up and I saw all the rafters and they're going this way and that way and I couldn't figure out what the roof would look like. But you know what? When they put the boards on it, it was all right. Because I couldn't figure it out by looking at those rafters. Didn't mean there wasn't a design and it didn't mean that they weren't all right. Uh, we're making this Christian argument. The designer, Christ, is able to fix the broken world because he knows the purpose for everything that he created. He's able to fix your broken life because he knows the purpose that he created you for. He's able to fix your broken home. He knows the purpose of the home. He's able to fix a broken society. He knows the purpose of the society. He's able to fix broken friendships. He knows the purpose of friendship. Our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is the answer to the broken world because he knows the purpose of every single thing. And then Paul said, he is before all things. This is the idea that Christ is greater than all existence. He precedes all existence. He's greater than all existence. Everything that exists is inferior to Christ. He's able to fix a broken world because he is greater, wiser, more powerful than the world that we live in. Six. And he um, literally holds all together. Christ holds everything together, all existence, he sustains reality. How? Why is Christ best able to fix a broken world? Because he sustains reality. Without his sustaining presence, everything would vanish instantly. You get that? He is the sustainer of all reality. Now, all this brings us to this idea. The broken world gets fixed through Jesus Christ. And Christ invites us to be his partner in fixing a broken world. Do You get that? Christ is going to fix the broken world, but he invites us to be his partner. Listen to what Lewis said. The Christian thinks that any good he does comes from the life of Christ inside him he doesn't think that God will love us because we are good but that God will make us good because he loves us did you hear that message God doesn't love you because you're good he makes you good because he loves you we are God's partners in healing a broken world I want to say this in just a few short ways. Number one, you got to be God's partner in the good work he wants to do in your soul. Do you understand that? You have to partner with God. You have to be willing to be still and know that I am God. You have to have some quiet time where your soul communes with the living God. We partner with God. We partner with Christ in the healing of our own broken souls. And the better you partner with him, the better the healing happens. The less you show up at the doctor's office, the less healing happens. Second, we are God's partners in healing our families. Church, now open your heart to me here. Please open your heart to me. There is no perfect family. If you think there is, is, you've been watching too many Leave it to Beaver shows. Um, There is no perfect family. Every family is touched by the brokenness of humanity. But God has an answer for it. The answer is the healing work of Jesus Christ. And he wants to use you and me as partners in that healing. I want you to hear this. Uh, If your family has an issue, or since your family has an issue, since my family has an issue, I have to draw on the goodness of Christ to share that goodness with my family. I can tell you this right now. Your family needs more love and less criticism. I'm telling you right now, mom, your kids need more love and less criticism. I'm telling you right now, dad, your kids need uh, more, uh, you looking at them and saying, I think you're the greatest thing in the world, and less, uh, when are you going to quit screwing up? Uh, God loved the world into being better, for God so loved the world. If we're going to make better homes, it starts with love. You hear it? If we're going to make better homes. We have to let the forgiveness of God flow through us. And the best thing some of you could do is forgive. The very best thing some of you could do is forgive. Sharon and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, God makes the world better when we forgive others, God makes the world better when He forgives us, church. We are God's partner in healing in healing whatever's broken in our families. Um, we're God's partner in healing whatever's broken at church. This church isn't perfect. Um, if everybody else here is, I'm not. Uh, I, God has work to do in me. Uh, I want I am fully aware that I need to be a better man, church god heals what's broken at church through us you get it there's something you don't like about church maybe god wants you to heal it maybe he wants you to be gracious maybe he wants you to be helpful maybe he wants you to serve maybe you are god's partner in healing the thing that you find yourself complaining about all the time church can you hear me We are God's partners in healing whatever's broken at church. You're God's partner to heal whatever's broken at work. Our workplaces are messed up, and we can be part of the problem, or we can be God's partner in the solution. And we bring the grace of Jesus Christ to bear in the workplace. Don't tell me I'm not allowed to talk about religion. You don't have to talk about religion. You just have to live it, church. Uh, there's an election coming up real soon. Let me tell you f- what I know about elections. Been voting since 1972. Um, the people you like aren't as good as you think they are, and the people you don't like aren't as bad as you think they are. Uh, somehow or another, the world goes on, no matter who gets elected. Go vote for whoever you think is right, but don't think the world is going to drastically change because your person got in or didn't get in. Um, I I will tell you this, what politics can't do, the church can do. The solution to the world's problem isn't in a new tax bill. The solution to the world's problem isn't in a new government program. The solution to the world's problem is not in this party or that party the solution to the world's problem is the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the partners of God in making the world a better place. And if the church does its job, doesn't matter what the politicians do. If the church doesn't do its job, it doesn't matter what the politicians do. We are God's partners in making the world a better place. So Lewis reminds us, we live in a broken world. We can't fix it ourselves; It's too complicated and it's too odd. But God came as a man and did what we couldn't do for ourselves. And now he says to us, I'm gonna fix you and I'm asking you to be my partner as we make the world what I created and designed it to be. Our dear Heavenly Father, I ask that this reality would be persuasive to us. I ask that somehow or another, we might be able to see the world as you see it. And we might find in you the strength, the grace, the wisdom, the goodness to be a good partner in healing what's wounded in ourselves, in our homes, in our church, in our businesses, and in our world. And then I pray, because you deserve it, that you would receive all the glory both now and forever.